Welcome to a Longer Table podcast, a space for real and sometimes hard conversations that will often challenge your perspective and always empower you to pull up more seats around your own table. I'm your host, Amanda Carpenter. Let's dive in. You guys are going to love my guest today. I have Allison Fallon on the podcast. She is an award-winning author and acclaimed writing coach. She's the founder of Let's Find Your Voice. She just released another book, and let me tell you, she's written many, um, that just came out a few days ago called The Power of Writing It Down. And I am so excited to not only chat with her about book writing, but about so many other things. Allie, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. It's an honor. We were just chatting off the record a little bit about my journey, which has been nuts. I know you have a less conventional journey as an author as well. Um, And I want to know, have you always considered yourself a writer or, you know, were you the type of kid that had diaries and journals growing up or yeah, tell me your relationship with writing. I was. I mean, I was a kid who always really loved writing. I have memories as early as fourth grade of, you know, being assigned to write a story and we were supposed to write one page front and back and I wrote nine pages front and back. So I remember from a very young age being really drawn to this activity and also being celebrated for being good at it. And it's been a career path for me too. I you know, was an English major and then got a master's degree in education with an emphasis in writing and taught writing. So it's been, you know, like, I feel like I've like, this is what I eat breathe and sleep for most of my life. But one thing that feels really important to say is that a lot of the work that I do is with people who are not like me. So mm-hmm. by that, I mean people who would have a hard time raising their hand and saying, I'm a writer or introducing themselves at a cocktail party and saying, you know, among a list of other things, like, you know, I'm a writer. And um, I, what I have found that feels really unfair to me is that there's this cultural mindset around writing that there's a small group of people who get to call themselves writers because they're kind of like me. They're like, they have always been passionate about this. They've been trained. They've got a degree, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then the rest of us have to count ourselves out of this activity. And part of what feels so absurd to me about this is I'm on the inside of my experience going like, I'm just as insecure as you are. I'm just as bad at grammar as you are. I'm just as, um, you know, I'm just as prone to get writer's block as you are. And so there's no like, there's, there's no initiation to the club other than the initiation is, are you insecure? Are you unsure? Do you not know what to write? Do you get stuck sometimes? Like, welcome, this is, this is the club. (laughs) And so I have to kind of, you know, I'm so passionate about helping people overcome that mindset that, oh, you're a writer and I'm not a writer that even though I have you know, my experiences with writing as a young age were all this one way. I think that even if your experiences as a writer, you know, as a child with writing were different, that it doesn't mean that you are not a writer or that you don't, you don't get to record your words on the page. Yeah. I I love that. And I think something I've kind of observed from you and learned from, from what you've put out thus far that I've been able to get my hands on is that, you know, you're not just saying like, oh, people should write a book, you're passionate about the practice of writing, not just publishing or, or yeah, publishing a book per se. So, you know, one of the things that you do a lot is give journal prompts and, and really encourage people to journal what from your lived experience, like where does that come from or what are the tangible benefits of journaling? Yeah. The, the idea for me to encourage people into a practice of uh, like daily writing 
came from partly from my professional experience and partly from personal experience. So the way that this happened was I started working with authors, helping them to get their books out in the world. And I would work with them as a co- in a coach capacity through the whole process. So I'd help them outline the book. We would you know work on executing the manuscript. Then we'd edit together. Then I'd work on the publishing details. And so I was doing this over and over and over again for dozens and then hundreds of people. And, you know, I had also published a couple of books of my own. And what I started to notice through that process was that people were not only doing this thing that would help their career. Of course, it's nice to have a book that has your name on it. It's such a huge accomplishment and it can, you know, establish you as an authority in your field or it can help you grow your business or, you know, it can get, get you on track to have a career as an author. And also what was happening was they were experiencing these tangible benefits in their personal life. So like their relationships were improving, they were feeling happier, they were coping better with their anxiety or depression. They were um, just generally feeling, you know, better about their life, feeling more clarity about their vision. They were more likely to accomplish their goals. And at first I thought I must just have a strong bias in this direction because I love writing. So I must just kind of like want everyone to write like I do. And so I assumed that what I was witnessing or experiencing was purely anecdotal And then I went through a huge personal upheaval in my own life that because all the parts of our life are connected, it affected every part of my life. So I went through a divorce, which meant I lost the the business that I had my, you know, ex-husband and I had been in business together. So I lost the business, the house, the family connections, like all the emotional upheaval of going through a divorce, lost our dog. Like, and it was just really one of the worst times in my life that I had ever experienced. I was so disoriented and confused. It felt like the whole world, like one of those like like little doll houses or something, like the little people houses. It just felt like that was my life and someone had come in and like shaken it and turned it upside down and then put it back. And I was like starting from scratch. Yeah, yeah. And what I did, I did what was instinct for me to do, which was I sat down and I started writing about it. And when I started writing about it, I did not have any intention of sharing this with anybody ever. It was like, here's the one place where I'm going to be able to tell the truth about what just happened to me because I don't feel like there's any other place that's safe to do that. So I sat down to do that. And as I was doing it, I thought like, this is so powerful. And this is what I've been watching other people experience too, but there's something incredibly transformative about putting our experiences into words. And as I was doing that, I stumbled across this body of research that has been around for decades and decades. I don't know where I've been, but that just shows the data, the concrete data that shows that everything that I had witnessed anecdotally with my clients and everything I experienced for myself can be, can be proven with research and data. And it just shows that a regular practice of writing, which consists of, you know, as little as 20 minutes a day for four days in a row can measurably improve your mood and your immune system and your increase your confidence and give you more clarity and focus in your life and improve your brain functioning. And there's so many different things that a writing practice can bring to us that I was like, I think this is my life's work. I thought it was working with authors. And now I actually think it's working with people who are like, no, 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 I'm not a writer. And I'm like, but this practice can bring so much goodness into your life that I wouldn't want anyone to miss out on that opportunity. Yeah. It's almost like writing is its own form of therapy. Like, you know, when we think of like art therapy, like my kids, um, various kids that we've had in our care do different types of therapy, depending on their needs and their strengths and their interests. And, and I'm, as you're talking, I'm like, I've never really thought about it, but every morning when I do my like morning pages, which for people listening, I got that from the artist way that book really helped me when I do my morning pages, that's like therapy. 
It's totally therapy. And, you know, I'm a huge advocate of seeing a, like a licensed professional therapist. If the, if you have mental health issues or you deal with depression or anxiety or, or whatever, Absolutely. and I've seen a therapist throughout my whole life, but even if you already see a therapist using writing as a tool in conjunction with your therapy can help you expedite your process. It can help you, you know, make more progress in areas of your life where you've really been stuck. Think of it like you see your, your therapist, like every Tuesday or whatever at 3 PM. And then what happens between Tuesday and next Tuesday, if you have a writing practice, you can actually carry that therapeutic process with you through the week. And then when you show up to your therapist next Tuesday, you can be like, okay, here I am. Here's what I want to talk about today. Here's what happened to me this week. Mm-hmm. Then you have, you know, you, you have more agency or control over your own therapeutic process. So, or, you know, for people who are like, I don't really think I need a therapist. That doesn't feel like, I don't, it doesn't feel like a high priority for me, but there are definitely things in my life that I could stand to process, you know, more thoroughly or that I don't feel like I have fully resolved relationships that are confusing to me, or I don't really feel like I understand my purpose and writing can be a great tool for that. Or if you're like, I think I want to see a therapist, but I'm not totally sure I'm ready to dive into the deep end and it's expensive and I don't know where to start and how do I find one? This can also be a great tool to experiment with the idea of self-discovery and, you know, self-inquiry and exploration so that when you see the therapist for the first time, it's not going to feel quite so awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Those are really great points. I, I love that you shared that. What advice would you give someone maybe who's listening? They they're like, yeah, I'm all in. I want to experience these benefits, but I'm either a, not a writer. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, like you said, maybe there's insecurity around writing, um, or, or they just really don't you know, want to own that title or they just can't seem to keep the habit of journaling. Like I have friends who, who like four different friends gave me, um, journals as gifts when I first announced my pregnancy, because, you know, um, the stores make these beautiful pregnancy journals for women who want to document throughout their pregnancy. And all four of these people that gave me these were like, either they gave them to me because they're like, oh, I know you'll actually use this. Or they were like, hey, this was mine, but I never opened it. (laughs) And so like they never used it. And anyways, we see that so often that people will be like, I'm going to journal and like, or it's a new year. And they're like, I'm going to start this thing and I'm going to keep journals or they want to be a journaler and a writer, but they, they, they can't keep that habit for whatever reason. What advice would you give those people? The biggest thing is just to keep it really, really simple because here's the biggest paradigm shift for people. A lot of people will say to me, I'm not disciplined enough to be a writer. And I completely debunk this theory because A, there's no such thing as a person who's not disciplined enough to do something that they want to do. But B, I also don't think this is about discipline. This is because writing is a creative process. It's about tapping into that creative energy that does exist inside of you because you're a living, breathing human being. It's about uncovering and and like evolving that energy and giving yourself permission for that to exist. And that experience is the opposite of discipline. It's actually like, it's like accessing like a deep desire that's inside of you that already is, is there. And, um, you know, I mean, if you think of the last time that you like were really excited to do something when you got out of bed in the morning, like you didn't have to like drag yourself out of bed. You didn't have to set an alarm and think like, Oh God, what if I sleep through three alarms? You were like waking up four times before your alarm even went off. Cause you're like so excited to go do that thing. The goal would be to get to the place where we feel that way about our writing practice. where like, we feel energized and excited and creative and motivated about this, this, you know, like daily practice that we have versus you know, like, well, every morning at nine o'clock, I've got to do my journaling practice. And I guess I'm going to force myself to do this, even though I don't feel like it. My goal through the practice would be 
how can I simplify this and peel back the layers and make it like such a no brainer for you to do this that you kind of can't not do it. Hmm. So, um, the biggest thing that has to happen in order for us to get there, I think, is we have to overcome these cultural ideas that we have about writing, that writing is like this very buttoned up practice and you have to like get all the grammar perfect and you've got to get the spelling perfect and you've got to like know how to, you know, form a five paragraph essay when a lot of my writing practice is literally just me scribbling in a notebook, note to self, you know, don't forget to have grace with yourself today. And there's something about, uh, not just something, the, the act of recording that idea with pen and paper versus just thinking it in my head makes it much more concrete. It actually accesses a part of my brain that I'm not accessing, you know, most of the time during my day. And so it makes the idea more concrete and it makes you more likely to remember the idea throughout the day. So absolutely, you know, that took me 20 seconds. It's not a 20 minute a day writing practice, but it can be incredibly beneficial to me. So if we can like shed this idea that a writing practice has to be like two hours alone in a room locked with the, you know, or like cabin in the woods for a week. And I wrote 20,000 words and instead think of this could be literally bullet point lists, or it could be like little lunchbox notes to yourself, or it yep. could be like something I write on a sticky note or the back of a cocktail napkin or whatever. If we can embrace that idea, we're much more likely to actually use it. Yeah. I love that because I think so many people put pressure on themselves to like fill a certain amount of pages or, or, or that it has to be in the morning or whatever the case is. So I love that you, you speak to that. Um, part of journaling and, and writing in general is asking and answering questions. And again, I've shared that you, you love to share prompts and you're really, I love, I really love, uh, the prompts that I've seen you share. Uh, because, and I think it was you that I've heard say this, but making sense of our lives starts with questions, not yes. answers. Yes. And I'm going to say that again for people listening. Making sense of our lives starts with questions, not answers. So Allie, what are the right questions we should be asking? Well, the right questions that we should be asking are the questions that you're already asking. It's just a matter of getting you to be honest with yourself about those questions. So, you know, we've been trained in school or in church or in our family units, family structures, family systems, growing up, wherever it is that we've grown up, we've been trained that there are certain questions that you shouldn't ask. There are, there are smart questions and there are dumb questions, right? So that idea prevents us from asking the questions that we're really asking about our lives. But we're asking questions like, you know, all of us are asking questions about like, what am I doing here? What makes my life really matter or really mean something? Or we're asking questions like, is there a God? Or we're asking questions like, you know, can I, can I really trust other people? Or um, whatever other infinite questions we're asking in our lives. And the only reason that we're afraid to admit to ourselves that we're asking those questions is because we're either A, terrified of the answers, or B, terrified of being ridiculed for asking the questions. And this is one of the really great gifts of the writing practice is that um, I talk about this in the book, but disclosure, therapists say, psychologists will say that disclosure is one of the most powerful tools for our own healing. Simply disclosing an event, putting language to it actually lifts the burden of holding it in your subconscious mind. The problem with disclosure is that a lot of us don't know ahead of time whether the person that we're about to disclose to is safe. If you have a therapist, hopefully they're a good therapist and they'd be a safe person to disclose to. Or if you have a spouse, hopefully that person is safe and they'd be safe to disclose to. But that's not always true. It's not always the case. Not every therapist is a good therapist. And plenty of us are in romantic partnerships of some kind where it's not safe to disclose 
the information that we'd like to disclose to that person. So then, you know, what other relationships do we turn to? I, I talk about this um, all the time, but when I used to travel and speak places, people would line up for, you know, an hour after I was done speaking to tell me something that they are wanting to disclose, that they don't feel they have anywhere else to disclose that thing. And they're telling it to a stranger. And at first it seemed kind of weird. And then as I started thinking about it, I realized like, actually, it's not that weird that we think about disclosing these things to strangers because in a strange way, it's safer to disclose to a stranger than it is to a close friend. Um, Writing, the beauty of the writing process is it gives us a space where we can disclose information. And in this case, I would say disclose the questions that you're already asking yourself and just give it some space to percolate uh, until you find the answer. I have been doing this for myself at the beginning of this year. I wrote down a list of questions. This is one of my first journaling days of the year. I think like January 4th or something. I wrote down a list of questions that I have been asking myself internally that I really want to get answers to. And one of them was the one on the top of the list was how can I have better boundaries in my life? Mm. So what I did is the first journaling day of the year, I just literally wrote at the top of the page, how can I have better boundaries in my life? And I just let myself respond in a stream of consciousness fashion to this question. The way that this came out for me in response to this particular prompt was a bullet point list. It's not always this way. It would depend on the question and it depends on the person. But for me, I just literally started listing out things that I already know I can do to create better boundaries in my life. So I wrote things like transition meditations, which is a practice that I've used in my life that where you pause for 30 seconds to three minutes between two events to kind of refocus your attention and energy in the new direction. So transition meditations, you know, like I wrote down, don't take things personally. I wrote down, let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. Um, so there was a whole list of things that I wrote down. And the, the whole point of me saying any of this is that what you will realize as you begin to respond to your own questions is that you have the answers to the questions that you've been asking. Mm. They don't always come immediately. It's, I think of it a little bit like tending to a garden where if you plant the seeds and you water them and you tell the soil and you show up day after day and you, you point some warmth and sun toward these things, they grow. There's no way to stop them from growing. So over time, you do find that you have the answers to these questions inside of you. It, it just takes the consistency and loyalty of showing up to yourself on the page day after day. I absolutely love that. And what's coming up for me is this idea that like our intuition, our gut, our thoughts, our feelings, all of these things, that they're a gift from God that we have access to that for whatever reason, by our own doing or by external circumstances or maybe our childhood or whatever traumatic anything, we feel that we need to turn to everybody else for the answers. Totally. And again, not that other people can't be helpful and not that we shouldn't dialogue and live in community with others, but that the practice of writing might just be one way to access what's the power that's inside of us. That truly is a gift from God. I love that. Um, You already said this, but the the first book that I knew of yours, Indestructible, Mm -hmm. is is really raw. It's really shameless because a lot of it, you know, reveals the story of how and why your first marriage ended and what that taught you about yourself. And like you said, when you first started like using writing as a tool to process and heal as you're picking up the pieces of your life again, I don't think you necessarily thought I'm writing this as like, it's going to be a book one day, but it did end up becoming a book. And I want to know how did writing it actually help you heal? And why would you encourage someone to write, especially even when, or especially when they don't get a happy ending? 
Yeah. Oh, I love this question. The first thing I'll say is the version that you read of the book is not the first version that I wrote of it. This is part of the healing process of writing. The first version I wrote of it, as I talked about before, was this, like, I sat down to write the story thinking, I am going to tell all of the dirty details of this whole thing. Because I felt like I'd been holding back and hiding these things. And, you know, there was so much that I wanted to say that I felt like I hadn't been able to say. And so I sat down. That was my intention when I sat down the first time was just to tell the whole gosh darn truth. And there was a part of that that was really cathartic for me. It definitely was helpful to start to see that on the page. But after I finished the first draft of the book, I kind of zoomed out and took a little bit of space and read the whole thing from start to finish. It was really hard to even read it from start to finish because... I realized like the voice and tone that I was writing in, I almost didn't even recognize. I was like, who is this like bitter, um, angry, whiny, kind of like just like catty, um, petty Hmm. girl who I'm seeing on the page. The value in seeing that was what I realized is there was a lot of anger, a lot of bitterness, a lot of frustration, a lot of fear, a lot of stuff going on inside of me that I hadn't been willing to admit to myself because it was such a, such cognitive dissonance. It was like, this is not, I don't see myself as this kind of woman. I see myself as a very forgiving person. I see myself as like, you know, um, like I don't see myself as this person. And so it was so much cognitive dissonance that I couldn't allow myself in my regular life to see that there was all this anger and bitterness under the surface. And when I wrote it down on the page, suddenly I was able to see it. And so what it told me, the information that it gave me was I have a lot of work to do. Mm. So I took a lot of space and time. I mean, it was tons of therapy. It was yoga. It was EMDR. It was like, you know, I feel really grateful and privileged to have had access to all of those amazing tools, brain spotting and like, you know, daily writing and all of these other tools that I was using to process through what I was feeling. And then maybe eight or nine months later, I came back to the manuscript and did an edit where I rewrote so many of the parts of it. And a lot of the stuff that the first time felt so important to me to be in there a lot of that stuff I just deleted because I was like, this actually isn't even part of the story. It was like the story that I wrote the first time was way more about him. And I realized I wanted this to be a story about myself. So that process of editing it was really important for me because it helped me to transform the old way that I was feeling into a new way. It's not denying the old way. It's not pretending that it didn't exist. It's just saying like, I want to decide that I'm not going to be the kind of woman who in 10 years from now is still bitter over my ex-husband, I'm going to choose to move on with my life and live, live a beautiful life. Like my dream life, you know, and, um, rewriting and editing the book changed who I was from the inside out. So the version that, that everyone else has read now is the new, it's the second version, not the first version. So that's the first important thing to say. And I feel like there's one other thing I wanted to say, but ask the question again, what was the last question. Yeah. I I was essentially wondering why you would encourage someone to write their story, write their truth, even when, or especially when they don't get the happy ending. Yes. The happy ending piece was the piece I wanted to respond to. So people will ask me a lot of times, like I use indestructible as a book as an example, when I teach our story writing courses and people will say like, what do I do when the ending to my story doesn't have a happy ending? And I tell the story of how when I pitched this book to publishers, one of the main pieces of feedback that I got was, we don't want to publish this until it has a happy ending, which they didn't say this directly, but I kind of took that to mean like, call us when you get married again, because this is not a very happy ending. 
And I really, I fundamentally disagree with that approach for a couple of reasons. Um, one, because I think that the ending that I wrote in Indestructible is actually very true to real life. And two, because there are two kinds of ha- quote unquote happy endings to a story. One is when the external problem that the character is facing is solved. So like, you know, in my case, the external problem is I get divorced. And so if that external problem is going to be solved, then of course, by the end of the story, I need to like meet a new guy who's really great. He comes along and redeems my story and blah, 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 whatever. I feel like that's a really easy way to wrap up a story. And it's kind of a boring ending, if you ask me. The second way to resolve a story is to resolve the internal problem that the character is facing. Meaning that even if the external problem, in this case divorce, doesn't get resolved, what is the internal problem and can we find a way to resolve that internal problem? The beauty of resolving the internal problem is not just that it it, it does a better job of matching with how real life turns out, but it's also a freaking superpower. If you can, in your life, say, regardless of whether my external circumstances change, that I've transformed so much on the inside that I'm able to see this circumstance differently you have created a miracle out of nothing. And to me, I'm like, it has made me feel the title of the book is indestructible, which actually comes from a Steinbeck quote where he talks about, you know, perhaps a loving woman is indestructible. But um, the title of the book also for me represents this idea of feeling kind of indestructible in my life because I know that the one thing no one can ever take from me is my ability to transform how I see a subject. So that can never, everything else can be taken from me. All of the physical possessions I have, even the people that I love in my life can be taken from me. But the one thing that can never be taken is my ability to reframe the way I see a thing and to choose to transform myself from the inside out and resolve that internal problem. Yeah. That's powerful and beautiful and so needed. And, you know, I'm, I'm listening on a book to a book on tape right now while I walk on the treadmill in this third trimester, trying to, you know, get these walks in, keep this baby moving down so we can like get the show on the road. And, um, I'm listening to untamed by Glennon Doyle and, and I'm not going to share any thoughts or feedback on it. What I will say though, is I love that in that book, she addresses how her, uh, previous book love warrior, how like she here she was writing this whole thing about like her marriage being restored and redeemed and then she had to go to her publisher and be like oh crap like right before yeah. this book releases with this beautiful happy ending we're actually announcing our divorce and it just made me think think of what you're saying too and and i love that you encourage people to write regardless of the happy ending and and I think the emphasis on the inner transformation and the things that we actually do have control over versus the external mm-hmm. circumstances, like that's valuable writing or not. Like that is such a valuable concept. Totally. Um, I love it. It's so powerful. Now, a few days ago, you released your newest book, uh, yes. the, the power of writing it down. <laughs> I want to know who it's for, which I have a hunch it's probably for everyone, but <laughs> who is it for and why did you choose to write this one? So the main person this book is for is someone who has thought to themselves about writing, but talks themselves out of it because they don't feel like a real writer. There are so many books out there that are directed at people who already self-identify as a writer. You talked about The Artist's Way, which has been a really influential book in my life. And, you know, I think that book, along with uh, Anne Lamott's Bird by Bird, is another one that's just iconic. And there's there, there are a bunch out there that I feel like are directed at someone who would self-identify as a writer. But what I wanted there to be is a book for the person, the people, the hundreds or thousands of people who say to me, like, you know, I've always thought of starting a journal, but I'm not really a real writer. Or, you know, I would really love someday to record my story, 
for my kids, but that's kind of a pipe dream for me. Or I've always had this dream of writing a screenplay, but it's so stupid. It would never turn into anything. So the people who say that kind of stuff to themselves, who have like the, they've got the, um, the pull, the call, the invitation from the act of writing to say like, this could be a really great way for you to explore yourself or explore your life or understand yourself better, or it could be a form of meditation for you or just a fun creative outlet. If you, if you have that pull in your life and you're talking yourself out of it because you don't feel like a real writer, this book was written specifically for you. Now, I hope that it will also invite people who, like my husband is a great example of this type of a person who would say like, I don't even, writing sounds like no fun to me. (laughs) That sounds like no fun at all. I've never wanted to write anything other, you know, I write emails obviously because I have to, but um, writing doesn't sound like all that much fun. He, in the time of quarantine has, um, he worked in, it's kind of a long story, but worked in live events, like massive cultural festivals. So clearly COVID has completely demolished his business and he's 40 years old and left in a time in his life where he's wondering like, okay, so I, I'm not, I I can't go back to this. So then what am I going to do and how am I going to move forward? And he has been um, using writing as a process to help himself answer that big question for himself. Like what comes next? What do I do next? And if I don't have this business that was, you know, like has sustained me and I thought this is where the business was going to go, then what does that say about me and my identity and who am I as a man if I can't provide for my family? And like all these big questions that we're asking, you know, he's using writing as a tool to answer those questions for himself. And even he, he, I feel like was the biggest sort of like skeptic of the process. And he has experienced so much from um, a simple you know, practice of writing just for even 20 minutes or so a day. And so someone, I hope that it will also call to someone like my husband. And then of course the people like me who just, and and you who love writing, we enjoy writing. We have done a lot of writing in our lives and yet we still run into the same obstacles, just like anyone. We have writer's block and we, you know, fear that we'll write something and no one will ever read it. And we have been given the runarounds from the publishers where we've been told no and no and no and no again. And, you know, it's so easy to feel at the end of the day, like in spite of the fact that I know that this is my gift, does it really matter for anything? And is anyone ever going to read this? What's the point? And I hope this book will speak to that person as well. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I'm so excited to get my hands on it because I think I need the reminder and my audience knows kind of what happened with my book and announcing it and then saying it's canceled. And oh, it's just been such a messy whirlwind and figuring out what to do and where to go from here. I also need the reminder, even as someone who self-identifies as a writer, that there is power in writing and there is beauty in it and there's transformation in it. And, and, and the list goes on and on. Even if no one else gets to read it. Amen. Yes. And and not that I'm saying like, I'm not encouraging people to just let their writing like collect dust on the shelves because I'm also a big fan of like, no, get it out there and like let it serve, you know, other people and don't be afraid. So that's not what I'm talking about or referring to. But it's just in a in a world where we're we're all about achievements and and it, there's so much uh, perceived glory in in being an author. Um, totally. and I say perceived glory because it was not a <laughs> glorious experience for me at all. Um, but but that it's important and it's valuable. And I love that your book uh, has that at the heart of it. It sounds like totally. Yeah, I'm I'm so on board with you on that. Yeah. So as we kind of wrap up this conversation, I have two more questions that I am so eager to hear what you have to say. And the first one is, what do you do when you um, have writer's block? Like, what do you write when you feel like you have nothing to say? 
Okay. So much to say about this. The first thing I'll say is writer's block is not really writer's block. Writer's block is life block. What I mean by that is when you don't know what to say on the page, it almost always means that there's something you want to do or say in your life that you feel you cannot do or say. So the most simple example of this is right before I got divorced, I was contracted to write a book. I was on deadline for a book about marriage. And I would sit down to the page every day and I would try to write chapter one. (laughs) And it was the most ridiculous writer's block I've ever faced in my life. It just felt like I could write 2000 words and they would be total crap. Or I could sit there and stare at the blinking cursor and I could write nothing. But that was just, it was toggling back and forth between those two things. It wasn't until long after I had gone through the divorce that I was able to look back and go, no wonder I couldn't write about my marriage because I wasn't able to speak the truth about my marriage that I knew intuitively to be true. So writer's block works like that. It's not like, you know, you know exactly what you're thinking. You just don't know how to put it into words. If, if, there, if you can't get the words on the page, it usually means there's something you want to say or do that you feel you cannot say or do. So the answer to that is a little more complicated in that sometimes, um, you know, a lot of times what we're taught in our professional lives is just to kind of like the, like the hustle wins out at the end of the day, just push through the block. Like you can do this, just be more dedicated, be more committed. And the problem with that mentality is it doesn't work when it comes to our creativity. Think of it. If you were in a relationship with someone and I were to just say like, you just got to be more dedicated, be more committed, be uh, like creativity is a relationship and it's a dance with this other sort of thing that we can't quite explain or fully understand. And so sometimes the best approach to writer's block is to just walk away Mm. from the page. And we can go through long seasons in our life. I, I, um, put this on social media the other day, but we might go through long seasons of our life where we just don't have the words. And when we don't have the words, it reflects the, the, the stage that we are in our ability to process something. So when something tragic or traumatic or massive happens in our world, and you're looking at the, you know, like insurrection at the Capitol building, and you're like, I don't know what to say about this. No freaking wonder you don't know what to say, because this is nothing like you've ever seen before. It's completely complex and complicated. There are no simple answers to this question. And so the answer is instead of forcing an answer to keep showing up to that garden day after day and asking the questions and waiting for the answers to come. And I think a lot of us are just trained to kind of like jump to the answers as quickly as we can. And so that's when we get tempted to go, what we do, or at least I find myself doing is going out into the world and looking for people who seem to have the answers, who seem to like really have this nailed down and just kind of mimicking and parroting what they're saying. And that's not, it's not answers. It's, you know, I mean, the truth of the matter is like right now, the more certain someone seems about their answers, the less I trust them because (laughs) (laughs) we're living through literally unprecedented times. And so Nobody knows what's going on. Nobody has the answers. This is not a black and white issue. There are so many different ways to see this thing. And what I hope we can do collectively as, a, you know, as humanity is give this a little bit of space and time to percolate and unfold and keep showing up to the garden day after day. And, and hopefully we can share a little bit of what it looks like from our perspective and that together we can create a greater picture of, of how to move forward. Yeah. 
Yeah, that is so good. And I'm probably going to have to go back and like re-listen to this part of our conversation just to like be able to absorb it all, um, Mm -hmm. to listen to it again, because it's, it's so almost countercultural. And I love, I hadn't ever thought of writer's block as life block, but now I'm like going back in my mind to moments where I've struggled. There were certain chapters of my book that I like really struggled. It was like, I felt like I was just like, okay, you have to write this many words, you know, cause you're on a contract, you're getting paid. Like you have yeah. to do it, but like, it was not happening. And now like, I'm like, I'm kind of tracing this thread back in my mind. I'm like, oh yeah, that, yeah. that makes sense. That that's life block. That was a really confusing time. And I needed, or I felt the need to come across very sure and, you know, kind of figured out, not in the messy middle, but I was in the messy middle. So yeah. anyways, love the truths you're sharing in that. It's so important. It's so valuable. And I think this is the note that I want to end our time on, which is really how writing every day impacts your relationships with others. We've talked a lot so far about the practice of writing and what it does for ourself, which is beautiful, but it also has an impact on our relationships with our kids, our spouses, our mothers, our friends, whoever. What has that been like for you? Well, I think the biggest thing that writing does is, well, there are a couple of things it does. Number one, it gives you a greater perspective on yourself. Just like I talked about before, the first draft that I wrote of Indestructible, you're able to see hidden motives, hidden feelings, hidden resentments, hidden, bitter, hidden bitterness, hidden anger, whatever that's buried under the surface that we don't see when we just sort of like move through our lives on a daily basis. That makes us much more equipped to interact with other people because you, it's, it's easier. Like if I'm having a conversation with my husband, it's easier if I can come to the conversation and go, look, I know I have a lot of undealt with anger on this subject. I don't want to take my anger out on you. Can we have a conversation where my, like my anger is not, doesn't have to be like the elephant in the room. It can just be like, you know, I know that there's some anger here. Can we talk through this? So it just gives us a lot more self-awareness, which bring you know, that can have the ability to improve any relationship that we're in. Um, there's also data that shows writing can increase the amount of empathy that you have for others. And, and my guess is this is hundred percent a guess. I don't know, but my guess is the reason why it does this is because when you write and you see yourself clearly on the page, you see your deep humanity and there's no seeing your deep humanity that won't cause you to have compassion for other people. You know, we kind of like to move through the world and think like, I've got it figured out. I've got it all together. Why can't everyone kind of get their stuff together the way that I have it together? And then when you sit down to the page and actually start writing about your life, you realize I don't have any of the answers to these big questions. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I feel insecure as a parent. Like I don't, you know, I'm, I don't always feel like I, um, like I fall short as a friend or as a partner or whatever. And so when we start to see that on the page, it helps us to see it when we watch it, that unfold in someone else who we're in relationship to, and it can help us get to that compassion place a lot quicker. I'll say one more thing. I think the other thing that it does is writing gives us a place to put our first reaction. This is an idea that I got from a therapist years ago. She was like, you know, your first reaction is rarely the best reaction. See if you can have your first reaction first and then, you know, give the person you're in relationship with your second reaction. So if your first reaction is like, God, I hate you. Get out of my face, you idiot. You know, like if that's the first reaction, then maybe the second reaction is like, I'm actually really sad. That really hurt my feelings, what you just said to me. And the second reaction is usually much more honest than the first reaction. And yet there's no way to get to the second reaction without giving the first reaction a place to live and breathe and have some room. And writing practice can be a really great place for you to have that first reaction 
like, you know, exist and be true and not have to be in someone else's face. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. To all of those suggestions and all of those things. I fully agree. Like I am sitting here just nodding my head along being like, yep, yep, totally. (laughs) I, I definitely have experienced the, the point you made about writing, leading me to be a more empathetic, compassionate human being. And I, I didn't realize that's that I never made the connection of why that was, but as you spoke, I was like, Oh my gosh, that's totally it. I realized what a hot mess I am. And therefore it helps me view the world differently and, and, and look at other people with less judgment and more compassion. So I love that this has been such a gift. And I hope those of you listening will, um, take a look at the show notes. That's where we'll link Allie's Instagram, her website, the, the book that she just released so that you can pre-order it. I hope that you, I'm sorry, so that you can order it. It is released as of a few days ago. I see author language. Like I'm like pre-orders, push them, (laughs) Um, but that you can order it. And, uh, Allie, thank you so much for your time, your wisdom. Um, yeah, I can't wait for more people to get to know you and to follow along with your journey and your story as you continue to use writing to, uh, share it so beautifully. Thank you so much for having me. 